he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment, whether it's dazzling or, well, tragic. That's what we're all about. We're going to talk about the subject of event entertainment. And today's word, after I introduce my co-host and cohort, Miss Alex Apostolidis. Hello, Alex. Hello. Do you know what you? today's word is? I don't. Surprise me. I like surprises. And I like that you like surprises because that was a good answer because actually the word for today is the word yes. All right? Nice. Just the word yes because uh, it really can change the course of a person's life as simple as it seems. And what you make of life has to do a lot with your response to the opportunities you get and whether you decide you're going to take a risk or not take a risk, do something out of your comfort zone or not. All of that builds the person that you become, the person that you are willing to become and really does uh, make life different if you just approach it from the viewpoint of yes. That's, yes, it's perfect. Right? So I think actually Liza Minnelli had a song about this. Now I'm thinking about this, say yes, <laughs> but right. But that, that whole idea, and I, I just think about my own career, which, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to be a, an, an artist. I wanted to be an actor. I didn't feel like I had the chops. So I, I was looking for something else, I think. I really didn't know, but I didn't say no when opportunities came my way and I, I let life lead me by just being open to the opportunities, especially for somebody who didn't really have a clear picture of what was there for him. You know, something you want something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for you. And I think that was the case for me. And so I look back and I think, well, there were times when I really didn't know if I had the chops to do something and it was a challenge. And the only reason why I proved to myself that I did have the chops was I said yes to the challenge. And that enabled me to you know, move a little bit further. When we decided to take on meetings in 2001 after being an entertainment agency, for seven years after 9-11, I, I felt that I had the right tools, but I, there was no education in producing meetings. There, there was no curriculum. And so it was, uh, it was the idea that I had done some other things and I could perhaps parlay. And when the opportunity came along, I said yes without fully knowing that I could do it. And That's that, amazing. It's a lot to, it's, when yeah. you look back, it's a lot to carry. God, I mean, if you ever said to a client, I really don't know if I can do this, but I'll try, you're not going to get the job. No. So you, no. you, know, you really have to 
you know, have the confidence to say, yes, I, I'm, I'm going to move, I can do this. And the only way to build that is to do it is to give yourself the experiences and to say yes. And, and that's not yes to, this, to, the, to the point of your detriment. That's right. always lead with a yes. And then think about why you can't. Think about the pros and the cons and then make a decision. But always in your mind, lead with the yes. How is it possible? How is it this can work? How can that problem be solved? If you lead with the yes, you have a better chance of getting there than if you lead with a no. Again, you can always say no. So that's my word. Yes. That's a great word. It's a great word in every instance. As a parent, it's a great word. As a, a professional, it's a great word. As a friend, there, there's nowhere in your life for it isn't a good philosophy. And uh, it's something that I have learned as a parent, you know, just with things and everything changing now. And, you know, my, my teenage daughter coming and asking me, she wants to, she wants to go and do a different kind of school. And my first reaction as a very protective mom, not a helicopter mom, but a protective mom is, well, no. But then I thought, why? So we said, yes. Now she has this great opportunity. Right. And right. it is, it's, it's key to helping people as you're raising them, but also your colleagues and your friends, helping them gain confidence. If they see confidence in you and okay, yeah, sure. We can make this happen. And if we stumble along the way, or if we encounter obstacles, we can overcome them because they've got you as a rock and it helps lead them along, helps take them on that little yes train. And it, is and can be a learned behavior. And I, I feel I'm a really negative guy at heart. I, I mean, I, 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 right, I mean, you're Greek, I'm Italian. Uh, my mother worried about me. She still worries about me. I love the story I tell about being in the room next door in a Palm Springs hotel with my parents. And as I'm walking into my room, my mother says to me, oh, be careful. And I said, mom, I'm going to my hotel room. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> so, I mean, she worried nonstop. Aww. And so what that impact and the sort of no, you can't terminology that was such a big part of our childhood. Yes, very much so. Right? Um, that permeates my soul. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's a lot of work for me as an individual to say, I have to look at the opportunities. I have to look at the possibilities. I have to be a yes person because that's the only way I'm going to do anything in my life because my instinct is to be a no person, to, to not take the challenge, to be afraid and to, you know, cut off, but that gets you zero nowhere. And so it's, you got to really be a yes person. Right. And, 100%. and again, and to your credit um, that you are saying yes to, to Izzy because she's a, a young, beautiful woman who is very talented and very, very articulate. Uh, she, she's not like most young ladies her age. She is very well-mannered and incredibly gracious for a young lady. And I think that has, of course, a lot to do with your bringing her up, but a lot with the fact that you're trusting her and you're giving her the opportunity to make decisions 
which I know is not easy for you. No. I know it's not easy for you. And I know that I don't think you were raised the same way. Oh, no, no. not at all. I, again, very Greek, very Sicilian household. And um, it wasn't about, and not in a, not in, a, in an attempt to squash me in any way, but that's how they were raised. And, you know, I'm the mother, I'm the father, we're the head. You, you know, you don't get to make decisions, but I think it's so important that we allow them to have control, even from silly things about how they dress. So yeah, you go out in polka dots, pinstripes, and pink and, and lime green. That's okay, because you're developing that sense of being able to make decisions being given that freedom from what you eat, all of those things. It's very, very important for them, for them to develop their confidence because if you're not ever given that, you don't develop the confidence. And it took me literally until I was in a certain decade of my life, which I'm not going to say, but for me to realize I need to have a voice. I need to have a bigger voice, not different from being on stage and all of that that I've been doing as a kid, but just as a human being, as a wife, as a mom, as a friend, I need to have a bigger voice. I need not to be afraid of that voice. You don't get that unless you are given the opportunity. No complaints. I had wonderful parents, but I wasn't given that opportunity. And I really do try to learn from that and give it to Ileana so that as she finds her way in life, there are, no matter how many obstacles, they don't seem as insurmountable. Right. And she's able to make the decisions. She's able to make decisions, which I see as a, a lot of, a lot of people today are having issues to making decisions and, and kids. It's important to teach someone how to make a decision. And the only way you, you do that is to allow them to make their own decisions. It's important. I think as a mother, as you well know, to know their friends as you know, Illy's friends, mm -hmm. because then you can take some of the responsibility off yourself and sort of lay it on the friends. Well, if she wants to go out looking like that, I don't need to say something because somebody else might, right. you know? Well, and, and, and the then, other thing too, is I get asked the question, when can I do this? And my answer is, you know the answer to that. It all depends on who you are at that age. In five years, when you say, can I do this? Well, let's, I can't answer that now. I don't know who you're gonna be in five years. Right. right. You, have the, you have the control as to when you can do things, because it all depends right. on how you, the decisions you make now. We did get off a little bit on parenting, but I, I would like to make a- <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't your fault at all. Uh, I oh, would wow. like to uh, make a topic though, um, and we should do some research into it and in emotional intelligence before we talk about it, because I think that, um, not that we are experts, but it takes, a certain amount of that to be an artist. And I think it, it's worth exploring a little bit more uh, because there, we do, we see the difference. We mm -hmm. see it in our artists and we see the ones that fail because of themselves, because they just can't loosen up or you know, see things another way, look at a, a perspective other than their own and it becomes their detriment, you know? And so just having this as a topic, I think, is worthwhile, um, if nothing, for no other reason to, than to share the importance with our artists, listeners, so that they get a feel for the kind of work you really need to do internally to make sure that you're prepared to face clients and to face audiences, because it's not always easy. It is not always easy, as Derek said. And, and magicians 
uh, magicians and jugglers have to be among the worst treated of all artists. You know, they just, they're so disrespected. I, I see it happening at events. You know, that's why I asked Derek the question, how do you respond? And it's in such a tremendously intelligent way he does. Um, but it's, it can be really difficult for those entertainers and you develop a backbone and you develop, uh, you develop the skills to deflect. I remember when I was in a, I started my career in event entertainment in a, in a performance troupe called Xanadu. Xanadu in the 1980s. <laughs> I mean, now I think I laugh. I, I still, oh my God. I still have my Xanadu friends. I mean, we still are very friendly. And as a matter of fact, we still talk with one of them. Jonathan Wheeler um, oh. was a Xanadu friend oh. of mine. And that's how I got my start. And I remember dancing on dance floors without any lighting to DJ music with audiences clamoring for themselves all around us. Nobody was really watching us. And then having to uh, interact with these people and being being propositioned, being asked if my mother knew what I was doing for a living. Uh, I remember a certain bar mitzvah uh, that we had a Betty Boop, a woman who did Betty Boop. We had these really tremendous costumes. The owners of Xanadu invested a lot of money in these costumes. And one of them was this Betty Boop costume made out of foam and material with a Betty Boop head. Well, when you're in that Betty Boop costume, it's strapless. And you have this big paper mache head on, so you can't really see what's happening all around you. You have very tunnel vision when you're in those things. Very hard to maneuver. Anybody who's been a Disney character knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's yes. really hard to maneuver. And some young boy came up to her and pulled down her breastplate. Oh my gosh. Awful. I mean, the, the disrespect that was just, I mean, you know, we can giggle a little bit about it now, but it was very disrespectful and at not at all appropriate. And it was what we dealt with, you know, on a, on a consistent basis. And it's what people still deal with on a consistent yes. basis. Uh, you know, not to go off on another tangent, but we talk about stars and celebrities and you know, the, dish, the issues that they have dealing with public and how people feel that they just own them. Um, it's just, it's, it's really a phenomenon that's incredible. I, I, it, it's beyond words for me. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced. I actually taught a whole workshop uh, for a group, local group called the Actors Alliance. I did it for them. I did it at Southwestern College. Um, I created you know, it, it, it's, it, it creates depending on what the need is, but, and it's basically all about the tolerance of mean and how we often are so willing and, and almost wanting people to fail to boost up our own um, worth. And that's what I feel that oftentimes entertainers have to go through is that disrespect because somehow, oh, look at, I got the magician. Oh, I know how he's, or, you know, oh, look at what I did to that actor. Cause somehow it, you know, hecklers in a comedy show, right? The same thing. It boosts their own feelings of self-worth. Yes, 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 yes. I wonder, I always wonder how many of those hecklers are would be comics themselves. Uh, you know, how many wish they were up there. Today's guest is truly, truly a Renaissance man. 
Um, he's a DJ, voiceover artist, MC, game show host with the most, a team building facilitator, and a little known fact that I just learned, he's also an illusionist. Ooh. I know. I did not. Well, you're going to find out. In, in fact, oh, in 1992, a uh, very famous CBS anchor, Dan, uh, Dan Rather, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Rather, <laughs> covered this gentleman's very unique escape from a straitjacket. But he wasn't just escaping from a straitjacket. He was doing it while bungee jumping. What? I know. I mean, the, just the t- thought of either one of those sends me into a frightful tizzy, but he, yeah, he escaped from his straitjacket while plunging to what I would say is seeming death. Um, he's also, oh. But he's, he's okay because um, he's on our show today. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay, well, okay. limbs attached. Limbs okay. and everything. Well, limbs atta- okay, great. Yeah, everything's you know, this attached. Is, this is neck up, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's just the voice, it's Steve Martin. Right. Um, and then, oh, and in 2009, he also received the Hall of Fame award from the International Special Events Society. So, oh, Ilea, now called Ilea. I now, now call it International yeah. Live Events Association. Okay, who is it? It is the wonderfully talented Philip Chancellor. Hello, Philip. Hey, we, we haven't known you for very long. We, we've just met you just a few weeks ago, and we were just so enamored by you, your personality, your offerings, and for those of of you who don't know Philip, he is a disc jockey out of Texas. Uh, we work with him out of Texas. He's fully studioized. He's got everything that he needs right there. And not only is he an incredible MC and personality with, as Alex mentioned, a lot of credits, a lot of experience and a lot of know-how. He has brought to the table some virtual games and some virtual experiences that we think are delightful and uh, will help us to entertain people uh, in a variety of ways. So, Philip, how are you, man? I'm doing terrific. Thank you for having me, Anthony. I appreciate it. It's really nice to have you here. Um, You're from San Antonio. How's business there in San Antonio? How's it feeling? Well, you know, I'm going to give you the same story that you are getting, you know, from everywhere. Uh, We slowly are coming back. Uh, Before all of this, I must tell you, absolutely fantastic. San Antonio has done absolutely amazing work by attracting some great resorts and some wonderful conventions. Uh, Then this hits and and it threw us all for a loop. Uh, We have things slowly coming back, but uh, uh, right now it's probably still time to be, you know, developing and working on things I normally do when we were as busy as we were before. It's a good point because this, this was something that you started before COVID hit, was it not the, the trivia? You're exactly right. It, it, It was the only thing we were capable of doing was a lesser version of family feud that we had. And it was kind of, uh, halfway assembled, but since we had already started on the software with a programmer that I had hired to do this, uh, we were able to do it. And it was something that's always been on my plate. Hey, you know, one day people are going to have these virtual conferences. I know we need to get into this. And the nice thing is, and I think we, you know, we talked about this when you and I first met, uh, if there's any positive takeaway about how, how things have been, I was able to start developing these things and really concentrate because when my company does a new team building program, we get into it from every possible angle. I take this 
very seriously. So I have to think about questions and ways to cheat and winning and losing in the psychological end. Companies will come to us with different problems and, you know, maybe it's a communication issue, maybe it's a trust issue, maybe it's a responsibility issue. So I was able to literally inside of a month develop three new online programs and do things that would have, Anthony, would have taken me a year. Oh yeah, forget it, right. With the yeah. schedule you would have had. Yeah. And we sat on feud for a year and a half, I think. We had it, we absolutely could do it. But uh, the, even the online technologies, look how, how it's advanced just since February. If I would have said Zoom to, I don't know, I would say nine out of 10 people on the street in January, February, they'd have been Zoom. If I say it now, I would think nine out of 10 would know it. So, yeah. I mean, look, right. look at that, you know, and of course us being in, in corporate and being in special event entertainment, of course we are familiar with that. We've been using it for years, even go to meeting. We know it, mm -hmm. but no, but a general public, a regular sales rep for XYZ pharmaceutical company, they, they wouldn't have known, you know, now the whole world does, which is great. I, I, and, and as I told you, this, this whole technology, it's in its infancy. So I, I knew that if I didn't get on this now, I was going to be late to the party when yeah. people started figuring out, okay, look, it's going to, this is going to push through till 2021. Mm -hmm. We still need to have conferences. We still need some, some form of entertainment. What can we do? So I took yes. that over the top personality that you've seen when I'm a performer and I'm like, okay, if I can make it entertaining as well as something people recognize, I know we have something. Yes, and absolutely. It's to be true. And you've hit on every single point. And one of the things that we talked about, uh, we will continue to talk about and have talked about is the idea uh, of uh, you book entertainment for a purpose. It's one of the four pillars, objective, what it is you're trying to accomplish. And everything you just talked about speaks to that fact. This game helps to accomplish goals and objectives of clients, not this game, but the games that you offered. And you must give us the list, the rundown on this broadcast before we go on too long. Too, too much longer, but all of those things uh, can serve a purpose other than just having a good time, which is important, yes. but, but the value is exponentially better because you're giving them purpose, right? Yes, sir. So, uh, so, I, no, I appreciate that. Go on. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, but I, have, I have something to add to that. It'll go right along with what you're saying. Go for it, please. We started doing live game shows back in 1996 it just was an idea of mine watching jeopardy mm -hmm. and i thought it'd be cool to have those podiums and the real number totalers so we actually called the production company for jeopardy and we're like uh, they're like you want to buy the show we're like no 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 no. we want to know where who's building those lock-in mechanisms uh I, and i told them the truth i said i'm a production company an entertainer i want to take this you know and they're like, well you can't do jeopardy it's like look i just want to know who makes those buttons so long story short it was it's kind of what i've done now I, I i thought outside the box i went to the manufacturers ultimately they told us the amazing creative engineering team that built those actual consoles that jeopardy used so we took that product straight into corporate it was a massive success mm -hmm. and it allowed me to do things Oh my gosh, all of a sudden, uh, I'm in Miami, Detroit, Boston, New York, Chicago with this game show. There was sure. none. Wow. Sure. Yeah. When you have DJs and MCs bring little bells out, ding, nope. We yeah. had the lock-in mechanisms, and that's how I started. But a moment ago, you were talking about how to work it with companies. We found out very quickly that the game show was just a tool. Oh my gosh. 
if, if a company like USAA, which uses me 40 times a year so they can get people to pass their mandatory tests for group one or whatever it is, we can ask their questions. So, and I didn't even think outside the box for that till three or four months in right. when a customer right. said, hey, I've, uh, it, was a, a, it was a big insurance firm. They said, we've got some people. They need to pass this more advanced test. Can we do our questions? And I was like, oh, yeah. Of course, sure. I'll, I'll do it all the time. You know, and but, uh, that's a major difference from huge. your product uh, in the marketplace between your product and, and others that are out there. Is that correct? For the time, absolutely. Right. It'll change, now, right. It's changed because there's two or three different companies that do now make those game show consoles. And the thing I tell customers, uh, and, and again, I think you of all people will appreciate what I'm about to say next. It's not when I am trying to talk with an agent or, or a business where it's like, well, you've got to use just Philip because if you don't, it's all going to get done wrong. But what you do run into is, especially when it comes to a game show format, people take those very seriously and even more seriously when it is a training tool. So you're really not going to want the disc jockey that maybe works in the nightclubs to be going, okay, ladies and gentlemen, for a second question out there, how many times does the USP, you know, you don't, you don't want that. Okay. And, Although I want to hear more of it right now. Stage number one. We've got, oh, uh, but, and I have found out, okay. And so because of the game show, we, we I took my hard knocks in the nineties where I learned there is a proper way to MC. Sometimes you don't want that over the top kind of uh, goofy game show guy. Cause like for, for example, our test the other day, I was a, a little more relaxed and okay, next question. Survey says, you know, that kind of thing. Or if you're using for a training tool, you're going to want that more of a Alex Trebek approach right. to where it's okay for the next question, because now it is a training tool and not, every person that can go to one of these websites that sell now these great beautiful consoles which we still we still update them about every three years uh realizes when you get into this how important it is that you're you do a discovery with your customer and understand how important some of these things really are and, and i learned all of this back when we was testing it out and it's right. like oh, what? you're gonna ask us you're gonna pay us to go to to new york done, you know, and, and right. just, just do these things. Uh, the experience that got built through all of that, and it's, it's neat because the way I started my entertainment career, one thing I did starting all the way back when I was in high school, explained the next avenue I was going to go down. Uh, literally, my career in entertainment started when I was eight years old, I get a magic kit for Christmas. Uh, by that night, I had worked out five or six things, did a little show for the family. Obviously, they were humoring me. It was probably really bad. But it was, oh, my gosh, Philip, you're really good at, at performing. And I really liked it. Started performing magic, magic, magic. By the time I was 12, there was a big convention that magicians have that came to San Antonio. There was a People's Choice Award. I'm 12 years old competing against guys that have been doing this for 20 years. I went in, and I'm so naive at the time, being young. I'm like, I'm going to compete, and I'm going to win. Well, I competed as a People's Choice Award, and I won. Wow. <laughs> so, boom, 12 Love years old. That. By the time I'm – wow. thank you, Alex. Love you. that. Uh, the award was handed out by Harry Blackstone. So for those of you magicians out there, you'll know exactly who Harry is. I have no doubt. Alex, uh, you know, Anthony, I know that you know Absolutely. Well, he said something that I've saved that piece of video for. Mind you, I'm 12 years old, and the show was 
really good that I, that I put together. I was very young with very advanced effects and I managed to pull them off. Well, he's on stage and of course we had it transferred from VHS tape and DVD and now digital, but he says, he, after he announced the award, he was the one who announced and gave away the award. He says, you know what, Philip, stop right there because I want a picture with this young man because I think we're gonna be seeing a lot more of him. Oh, now wow. at 12 to hear that from, you know, Harry Blackstone, I'm like, okay, I don't wanna let him down. Uh, but, but again, from magic to uh, 18 years old in, in high school, uh, during the summers, I would do cruise ships. On the weekends during school, I would do comedy clubs here in San Antonio. But that the comedy club and the cruise ship is what allowed me to start refining the MC and that confidence for, to be able to do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner for excellence in 2019. So again, one step into another and another. Right. The biggest thing over here is I don't want to do what the other guys are doing. And if they are doing it, we'll find a way to be different. That's why I'm so excited, especially when it attracted someone of your importance. It's like, okay, Philip, yes, it's out there, but we're not seeing it doing it exactly the way you are. And, right. and you may find someone better. There's always going to be, but at least that, you know, we're out there and we're beating those bushes. And that's the way we operate too. We don't want to do what the other guy is doing. We want to do it a little better, a little more sophisticated, a, a little bit more nuanced, if you will, than what we see happening. And, so, and part of that is you said you, you called it uh, uh, doing your, what did you call it now? Um, basically understanding the client and their needs, doing your discovery. That's what you called it. Discovery, and that is yes. so, it's so important in this world. And that's one thing that separates us. And the other thing is not just doing the discovery, understanding what it is that makes them tick and really getting into their culture, if you will, really like observing, acknowledging, listening and understanding so that when you're giving them something, it truly is right on target. And that is, that's fueled with discovery and it's fueled with paying attention and uh, observing and listening to what the, the cues that you get from your clients. Alex said something about you that I have to ask you about, and that is you got out of a straight jacket while bungee, bungee jumping. What's this? Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> that was... Uh, 1996, uh, as a magician, of course, at that time, I was convinced I was going to be the next David Copperfield and worked very hard to do so. Well, there was a bungee jump place. And if you remember back in the mid nineties, it, uh, it, it was bungee jumping was kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, there was a bungee jumping place not too far away. And I really didn't have any particular interest in, you know, doing it. But I started thinking, what can I do? Maybe I can make that big tower disappear. And it was a friend of mine who said, uh, you know, Philip Harry Houdini went upside down with the jack. The minute he said that, boom, I am going to do the escape on the bungee jump. Well, we went to the bungee jump people. I wish you, you could have seen it. The guy thought I was out of my mind. He goes, all right, no way. Of course he did. <laughs> you, you do know what this is. He had to check you know, legal and his people. He's like, you're going to be bound up. And I said, I'm not going to start making the escape until someone throws me off. 
So now we got a San Antonio uh, police officer and he was the one who secured the jacket and the local news station showed up. It was actually a really big deal. Uh, we did it earlier in the morning on a Saturday. Uh, I think it was, no, it was in the summer. It was on a Friday. It had to have been because of what happened with CBS News. I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, real jacket, everything was inspected. The news was tremendous. It was sponsored and there was lots of people out there. A guy throws me off and I break the the record for escaping out of a straight jacket like all magicians do. And the neat part about it was, yes, it was on a bungee jump. It was incredibly hard to do. We had to practice it a lot of times because of the gravity holding that jacket to me. But I managed to get out of it in 58 seconds, which the legend is on Houdini. And there's 10,000 legends, but it was right at one minute for Houdini. I didn't want to claim that out loud because you don't go and take your heroes and better them. Uh, so I said, hey, I did it, but you know, this is magic. Long story short, I get a call from Channel 5 News, which is the CBS affiliate at a little bit before five that same day saying, AP, pick this up. This is going to be on CBS News Tonight with Dan Rather. This oh, is a big wow. deal. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm already thinking about which hotel in Las Vegas I'm going to be performing in the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the bungee jump was was a a, a big thing for us, and and a, a lot of guys came afterwards with it. But but again, poof, we were the first. So there you go. But it is interesting that you're no longer a magician, or are you? Well, I mean, was that the last trick? <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, you know, we did a few other stunts using that bungee. There was another signed card thing where I had a sword and police officer signed a card shuffled it through the deck off and then i did the bungee going after the cards and i stabbed his card in midair but we were kind of been there done that with the bungee stuff uh as for been the there, magic, done that. Uh, been there done I, that. I actually so been there done that bungee stuff so been, been there done that uh i just another bungee jump i just can't do another bungee jump i'm sorry yeah, the next time someone asks me if i'll ever do it, i'm like i've done it so many times uh, enough already with that couldn't pay me a million dollars to do it. <laughs> me neither. Yeah, no. Uh, anyway, where were you? Where were you? <laughs> I was young and, and you know, if I was to do it now, I'd be a different story. Uh, okay, let's let's roll the, the clock back just a bit. I, again, uh, I got chances to work on Carnival, uh, another great cruise line that only ran the Caribbean during the summers called Dolphin. Uh, once I graduated, I started taking some classes in college, but I had a tremendous opportunity in 97, 98 to go on a touring show that was fully sponsored. Uh, at the time, we were the second largest touring magic show in the United States. Uh, Full-blown illusion, second to only wow. David Copperfield. Wow. Um, this is a video, uh, which uh, it's, it's actually great. I'll, I'll make sure that you get a copy of it. We were touring yes. with very large illusions, uh, going through a solid steel fan, escaping from uh, a bed of nails, just giant magic. and. Our, our plan was, and it was actually a pretty good strategy, was to tour into cities like, uh, you know, Corpus Christi, El Paso, that may not get something like cats when it comes through that area of the United States. Maybe the they get David Copperfield, maybe not, but they still have really big theaters and they're really big markets. Uh, we sold out two shows in a 2,200-seat theater in Corpus Christi. They were starving. They, yeah. Even David thanked me. They're like, thank you for coming. Everybody. I couldn't believe it. And, and so anyway, the touring was great. And we did a lot of colleges, but here was what was happening. I was developing my voice because I was a realist. I thought if this doesn't work out, 
think about it. It's only the top 2% of magicians that make it to where they can do this every day. And then if you're lucky enough, where are you going to wind up? Because in the United States, there's only two places, Branson, Las Vegas. You know, so I was like, I need to do this. Now, as the years go by, I had married my wife, who we're still married today, 23 years, very happily. Uh, She was assisting me. I had another female assistant and a crew of six others to accomplish that show. But in order to make a living, I mean, to make money in it, we were doing great. You have to tour, travel, cruise ships, tour, travel, cruise ships. It's one of the three or all of them. And I'll be honest with you. I was like, maybe I can take some of the gear that we have here in the way of audio, because we did have our own systems. I could take some of the talent now that I've been in front of thousands of people. I'm no longer that nervous. You can hand me something. I got it right away. And, and, and work on something where I don't have to be on the road 35, 40 weeks out of the year. Plus, as we were getting closer to our 30s at the time, my wife's like, you know, Phil, are we going to have a family? Because, you know, I'm reminded of that Elton John song, you know, <laughs> the, the road's no place, you know, to be married. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, so that's when 5150 Productions was born. I had lights, sound, fog machine, PAs, and just went in saying, all right, I'll just make a, a demo tape, which, yes, that's still what it was in the late 90s. You still could get away with tapes. Uh, and I'll start looking for the MC work and the voiceover work. And thankfully, because of years of doing magic, and the best part of those years is still when I lived at home. I took my licks when I was in my teens. All of a sudden, people are like, oh, you're doing, you're doing voiceover now? Oh, you opened up a DJ company. And that DJ concept is another great idea, which we'll, we'll briefly touch on because Alex won't let me speak at all again. Uh, I know. I, I get, I'm chatty Cathy. I can't help it. I know. It's just always that way. Always. Horrible. Back in 1999, uh, I said, okay, look, we need to get into the disc jockey business. But my problem with getting into the DJs was exactly what I, I don't want to say criticize or make fun of, but I criticize and make fun of. Are the guys awesome entertainment and absolutely amazing DJs? We are San Diego's number one. I didn't want any of that. I, 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 I was looking at the pricing. Back then, the average price for a disc jockey, a good one was anywhere from $75 an hour to about 125. Well, I'm like, okay, we, we were off tour. When we sold out a theater, we were making $27,000. So I need to figure out a way to make the DJ industry work. And I took it, this approach, Anthony, which I, I think you'll appreciate. I, I realized very young when I started, when I decided to open up a DJ company, everyone is going, people will always buy Kia. It's a great car, fantastic car, excellent gas mileage get you point A to point B, but they'll also buy Mercedes. They'll also buy Lexus. So if I want to try and be that Mercedes or Lexus, what do we do? Well, here's what we do. We guarantee our setup time. No more saying, oh, you've got an eight to midnight. We'll be there at seven to set up. Nope. If you want us there at 10 a.m., we'll be there at 10 a.m. What's the extra charge for that? Nothing. You're buying out our whole day. Uh, No more drinking. Uh, DJ industry, I love you guys. Thank you so much. When I lecture at the ADJA meetings or, 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 you know, I'm asked to do these lectures on corporate entertainment. That's something I touch on. If you are drinking at your events, I'm sorry, guys, that you disagree with me, but it's no place for that. You are there to party for them, not with them. I'm also not there to, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm also not there to decide, oh, bridesmaid number three, if you're doing weddings, she's the most beautiful woman I've seen all right. night. So I'm going to spend it there. So what we did is I took the DJ gear off the tables. We started building booths that look much like mobile bars. I don't want people to see cords, wires, or cables. Uh, even back then, we started immediately got into the CDs and, and, and later on, of course, into the digital. Mm -hmm. All of our cables, they were not taped down to the floor uh, when I discovered cable covers. We would drop those cables into covers, not for safety. It had nothing to do with safety. The look. Everything to do with the way it looked yep. to the customers. And that's, that's what production, look. yeah. That's what the yeah. production level is uh, if you're working with a you know, a high-level production company, anybody's professional in that manner would put down uh, tracks or, or mats or something that wouldn't just right. be tape. So you were already, and DJs don't do that as a, as a norm. Exactly. Right. Those yeah. little finishes that we found sent me from people going, who's 5150 Productions within six months being... I don't want to say top. I can't stand that when, when we, you know, I'm the number one, I, you know, you either are, you, you're, you're either respected or not, but it took us from being, who are those people to that's Philip Chancellor's company. Of course, it, you know, of course it's, you can count on him. Again, right. You can realize flat black, beautiful. If you wind up in a background shot, we were in tuxedos all the time. And, and, and all of a sudden we were able to, we found that high end. Uh, again, the average price, anywhere from $75 an hour to $125. I went into the market and I had friends that own DJ companies down here in South Texas. They thought I was crazy. I went in at $1,200. $1,200 per four that's, hours. That's no lies. Oh, yeah. And that, that almost, I would want to say that's kind of the standard now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, it, now it is. Yeah. This was 1999. Right. Right. It was like, Philip, prepare for that. No, I would have said to you, Philip, you're crazy. No way. I can't sell that. I would have said that to you. Yeah. You know, thank you. The number yeah. one thing I heard was, Philip, you can get a band for 2000 Yeah. What do they want a yeah. DJ for? You get a band for 1500 in South Texas, probably even less at the time. You know, and, and, and again, we just, I said, look, our contract's guaranteed. You put it on the list, it's guaranteed. You know, it's there to set up, it's guaranteed. The other little thing we did, which I found my corporate uh, people in your position or DMCs really appreciated is I kept a backup system in the, in the trailers. I would guarantee our system. I have a broken speaker, busted mixer. I will have that system back up in minutes guaranteed. So the, the backup equipment was a big deal. Uh, knock on wood, no joke, never had anything serious happen. Or time to time over 20 years, you know, a speaker has gone down, oh. but never boom, complete shutdown. Uh, not up until last week, uh, but <laughs> and and but you see what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little things that we found were able to pull us away from the pack. And you know what they say: you'd rather have it, not need it, than need it and not have it. And usually, right. once you've got that backup, you don't need it because and you've already prepared for the worst. Thank you. That's and the little the, the little things that you're talking about, the little things that you found, the little. Uh, tweaks that you've made to your business really are not so little at all because they make the huge difference. And, and the piece that we're not really talking about now is the, what peace of mind you're giving a client when you're giving them a guarantee, which is not easy to do when A, you're dealing with technology and B, you're dealing with people. 
and you're dealing with both, right? If you're not on the gig, um, but you're giving them that guarantee. And that's why there's the trust. Now I'm going to ask you a very, very um, tough question. Maybe what do you do when you do fail? What is your response? And what, how is it that you fix it so that Philip Chancellor is always the guy that people respect? When, what have you done? What, there must have been a time when you've had to correct something for the sake of your reputation and the sake of pe and the, the trust that you enjoy. Can you share something? No, I'll be happy to. The way, and, and I, I have been told by a friend of mine who is a very, very well-known uh, psychologist throughout the United States. Uh, he helped me develop some of the team builds, but I've been told, he said, this is the artist side of you. Uh, your question is wonderful because somebody is an entertainer. That's the artist in them that wants that to know that people appreciate what they're doing and they like them. So when something does go wrong, uh, I know that people tend to take it hard. I would say artists take it 10 times harder in a level that most people don't understand. Correct. You know, when you That's fail, it's something big on you. And Correct. I love your question because although I have not had systems go down, I have had things happen that were out of my control. We didn't understand. Philip, you can't get into the room until XYZ time. On the way there, I know it's cliche, blown up tire, cost, oh my gosh, don't have a spare. Hour and a half late to an event. You come in apologizing. Nobody truly knows what's in your heart. You, you, you wish you could take every second of it back. What could I have done better? These things just kind of hit you, you know, right away. And, uh, you know, most people go to the audience, oh, I'll refund your money. Oh, this one's free or the next one's free. You know, right away, you'll need to make sure whatever is asked of you that night is not done, but it's done more so and over the top. One of the things that I struggled with as 5150 became very well known, and I, this was my plan, was I didn't want to hire other disc jockeys. I wanted to hire other entertainers and train them to be disc jockeys the way I saw it. And so we would hire these great talents and I would teach them the way I do it. Other DJs, I didn't want what I was seeing out there. So I had this wonderful, wonderful employee. I just loved this guy. Loved him. But I get a call uh, from a sh performance that he was doing. They're saying, hey, look, you know, he was, he was drinking all night. And, and this bugged me. And I, I have a zero tolerance over here. But because the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, I had a long discussion with him about the way we do things over here. Not to mention when you work for 5150, because, you know, we, we charge what we do and we, we try to provide a uh, premium service, I pay my guys unbelievably well. Very well. It's not a gig you want to lose. I promise you that. Oh, I'm sure. The next week, the biggest entertainment agency in San Antonio at the time, big DMC company, very well respected. Uh, this particular disc jockey was out with them. And I get a picture of a bunch of lined up drinks down at the bottom of his booth from the actual agent who was on site. He says, hey, look, the hotel's letting him drink. And it, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. And she says, now the customer knows. Well, I was at another performance, but I always keep one Rover. And unfortunately we, you know, had to send that Rover to the performance and, and relieve this other gentleman. And, and, and now it was a series of apologies, but now I'm not there to do it myself. So we had to go back 
you know, on the Monday and, you know, work something out both with the agent who, you know, it, it, they said, well, Philip, it wasn't you, but we get that. I'm like, yes, and I know, but we've had this discussion. And so, uh, you know, there's, you're right when you set the question up. I, I know, you know, it's no easy answer, but there is no easy answer to that. I will do whatever it takes afterwards just to make sure that that relationship stays intact, or at least if they do decide, hey, Phil, this is beyond what we wanted, you know, at least I can leave with some kind of respect. And, you know, right. it's, that is a tough question and a great one. Thank you. I don't think I well, I always, I always say it's not what happens. It's just how you respond. Right. And yeah, you, absolutely. Right. And you, you said something in that that really, uh, really made me think you came in apologetic. And that is the right way to come in when you are late. And uh, you are, you know, it's, it's screwed up. And it's basically your fault. I mean, you could say it was the traffic. 100%. And I'm not you know, I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm just sort of lining out a, a, a circumstance. And then, um, and then you come in and, you're, and you feel the angst and it comes out as defensiveness rather than a real sense of apology. So you really have to be careful about the way you come in and the way you respond and the way you sort of greet the wall of dissatisfaction that's coming your way. And um, that says a lot about whether you'll get work again, uh, whether you'll be successful or not in this industry, because crap happens, right? Exactly. I mean, it exactly. happens. And, and if you're willing to come to the table and accept your piece of the responsibility and make it right, that's all you can do. And that's great. It's better than deflecting or defending uh, or becoming uh, defensive that is definitely the wrong approach to take. So I, I wanted to ask you this question because you are very respected and you are somebody that people trust and that doesn't come without work. And the work is to address those kinds of situations the way that you did, the right way, to acquiesce, to show your apology, to take responsibility and to do whatever you need to do to make it right. And the fact that it may not be right for that night doesn't matter. You're still going to go to the ends of the earth to make it right. And that's all you can do. And that's respectable. And I'm glad you shared that. Thank you. I think no, that's so key. I think it's key in, in any business, any industry, in every aspect of your life is make it right to the best of your ability. Make it right. Own up to it. You know, I, I can't even agree with you more. It, 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 again, maybe maybe it is the artist end in me, but I, I love to please. I love to walk away to know this was a good experience for, for this, this customer or this friend, or whatever the situation is. And I think the best entertainers, whether they are national talents or even, you know, a, a comedian who's gotten the attention of someone and, and gets to do a couple of corporate gigs, knowing that you can walk away and, and they, they have that great feeling about you and you know that there there's, it's, there's no other feeling like it. I can't, I, there's nothing I can explain it, you know, easily. Well, and that's why, that's another reason why you work in this world because uh, you, you approach it with a focus on them, on the audience, on what it's going to take 
to make them have a good time, to make them happy. You're not focused on yourself. And that's a key to being successful and to making sure that people are responding because you're, you're, you're again, I'm going to say it again, I've said it a million times, you're meeting them where they are. You know, you're not expecting them to come to you. You're doing your discovery and you're willing to meet them where they are. And that's, that's also half of the game, right? Yes. Um, and, and those discoveries, I, I can't even tell you what a powerful tool that is to get to know the customer for a minute, especially with the team building. Someone, you know, like yourself, you, you may send a customer of all of our 19 team builds that we do, both online and physical. So they look at it and they say, oh, I love this Lego build and, and we're having a communication issue. Well, just because one particular thing is not is there doesn't mean it's exactly right for their situation. So now how do we go in and make sure that, okay, they like the Lego build. Now we need to improvise, overcome and adapt, which is a big, big thing over here, you know, to make sure that, that just because they liked it, it was that build wasn't designed for that issue, but can I make it that let's keep talking with them and understand exactly what their problem is. Yes. And if you have to redirect them to something that might work a little bit better then do that, but understand what it is they really want to achieve. Correct. And, and that is that you can't get past that, you know, because at the end of the day, if you, if you fail there, you failed, even if it was fun, you know, you let's didn't... revisit that. If you failed there, you failed. That is, it's, Perfect. Only experience teaches that. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> wax on, and, wax off. Right? I mean, it's serious. I mean, because, and people will tell you, oh, it was fun, but it didn't really meet our objective. You know, Dad, and that, that's the kiss of death. Right. And what makes you the magician that you still are as a disc jockey and even as somebody who does the um, team building is that magic that you bring to it because you are thinking about all of these things and you're willingly creating that magic. So even though you're not doing the sleight of hand, in your mind, you're still a magician, I think. And you're still wanting Very people, true. right? There's a little surprise, there's a delight, there's a, achieving a goal. There's, there's something in you that still likes that magical touch, I think. Because at the end of the day, when you do it right, that's what it feels like. You have actually hit right. on something. And, and I think uh, uh, when our mutual friend, uh, John Wheeler, hears this, he's going to laugh. But the magic is always in me. And I, I left it not wanting to, but knowing that it, this is traveling forever. Uh, during all of this, as our programs have been developed, uh, I actually have been, all through the years, I never stopped thinking about magic. Uh, I just always wanted to do things that nobody else was doing. So I have developed eight different effects throughout the many years that I've retired. I guess I retired it about eight years ago. So I am, uh, here's the announcement. Yeah, I, I am bringing back the close-up end of it just for me, for fun. Uh, but there'll be these effects that'll carry through in a close-up performance for about 30, 45 minutes of things never before seen and borrowed objects people uh, no can't do it necessarily over the online i know some magicians do and that's great uh, mine is going to be a live experience at like maybe a blackjack table type setting uh, but uh, the effects the ones i have shown to friends they're like what, what, what is this Mind blowing. So, yeah, we, and, and again th this is for me it's not oh i'm going to shift now from being team building all back into magic uh, i do miss it tremendously and, and right. close up will be 
Good. So you're, you're actually the first person to hear that. Good, 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 good. I'm glad to hear it. But I, and I know that we're going to be running out of time. So I, I really, we haven't really talked about what your products are. And there are a couple oh. of distinctions that we need to make. Uh, first of all, you've got the Family Feud interface, right? You have That's licensed right. that. So it is licensed. Uh, there's no issue in using it. You have the buzzer, which takes a second device, but can be on, on the computer as well, could be on the one device as well, which adds to the levity and the fun. Yeah. Uh, the, the name needs to change if we use it, but you have the rights to use it and the questions from Jeopardy, yes, the excuse questions. me, from Family Feud. So you've got that. You've also got a Jeopardy. Yep. You've, also, you've also got, uh, you've got Bingo. I know you have, Oh goodness! Uh, it no, was let, Rockstar Bingo. There you go. The video, music video, Bingo. Music video, Bingo. Was it? Was I, I just it? Came um, out of my skin when you said Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> but what? What's so? Again, it's not like playing regular Bingo. It's Rockstar right, right. Bingo. There's a bit of a twist to it, and uh, it's fun and a little bit more relevant than just you know regular old Bingo. But you have these games, uh, and these team buildings. Excuse me. And you and you are a DJ. Uh, and you've got products that are really up and above some of the other ones that are out there because you're licensed, you've got the permission to use the questions. And there was one other thing that we can do, and that's customized, which some people are starting to do, but not everybody can do. Um, and not everybody can do with the flair and the finesse and the nuance. That's also key. It's not just about asking a question, but it's how it needs to be asked in relation to the game you know, and how it fits in that way. It's not so easy to pull a hundred people and see what they think, you know, when you're Correct. dealing with a family food custom question, but you do offer that. Is there anything else that you offer that's Wheel over and above or Which, Wheel of Fortune? We, we, that's another one that absolutely can be customized. You could say, uh, you know, uh, someone within the company, boom, that's the clue. Uh, the way we've been doing that with a bit larger groups is we, instead of using three podiums virtually, we use four and we can have, you know, three, four people on a team and rotate, or they can just play a tournament throughout the day. But uh, Wheel of Fortune, uh, it was important to me to find the ones, the game shows that are instantly recognizable to 90% of the people. So I say Wheel of Fortune to you. Well, I got it. They still run it today. They ran it when I was a kid, right. they run it today. Same with Family Feud for that matter. Yes. Um, take it or leave and it, Jeopardy, which right. is a, an adaption of uh, Deal or No Deal, uh, which is got the same format. We, we do that when we can do that with points or prizes. Certainly if a customer wants to kick up cash, understand your top amount, that may be given away, but we can, you know, that, that's on right. you. It's happened, <laughs> so. it's happened. And uh, then, then the uh, online scavenger hunts, which that was the first product we developed uh, with uh, virtually after I had completed a feud was, all right, I want to be able to do, do scavenger hunts within somebody's home if there's a corporation yeah. that wants to do that or, or office. And we literally can have up to, I believe it was 150 running live on that via a virtual check-in system that we have to let them know that they have found, let me know that they found what they're looking for. Also the online trivia, which there is 22 million people doing, and most people can just write up a PowerPoint and do it. Our system tells us exactly how fast somebody answered, uh, you know, so we know now how quick they got fully customizable, uh, a bit more production oriented when you're playing along with me virtually. So those are the, those are the top ones right now. Uh, 
I, I have my developer who called not too long ago asking me if I was interested in him writing up a virtual escape room. And I'm highly interested in yes. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> highly interested. I'm a junkie. Yes. Okay. You like that? Oh, well, That's I'm, good. I'm an escape room junkie. There's oh. two ways he said we can do this. The, the way is you can navigate through a virtual room or even one that we've rotoscoped or I don't know the name. I think it's, I don't know. You go and well, I would find some old creepy mansion and then we go digitize it and you can go through there and, and then we fill in all the puzzles. Or there is a new one that he's trying to sell me on to get me to finance, which I think we're going to do using augmented reality, which I, you will yeah. do at your house with the goggles, which <gasps> you'll be able to rent. Oh. In fact, Anthony, we need to talk about that. I'm not sure okay. I want to buy 10,000 sets of those. But anyway, well, I don't know. augmented reality takes the escape room, Alex, puts it in your house. Love so it. you'll see clues there in your area and be able to interact with them through augmented reality, which that wow. don't bother trying to find it. There's like two things out there and, and, and it's, it's not probably ready yet, but I have been assured that it's, it looks good. So Great. Well, we, we're, we are definitely gonna look forward to that uh, and to creating more memories with you and more experiences with you uh, and the way that you do things, which is different, uh, a cut above uh, the others and that's why we are so excited to have you in our stable of artists and I hope Amen. that we get a lot of traction right a lot of traction and look forward to working with you on those events because it's going to be fun we're going to have some fun as soon as we are. get yet yeah, right people are coming back they're coming back and they're looking they are looking for us so we will connect before we let you go I have this little game I like to play. It's, you know, it's not really all that authentic. It's nothing that nobody else is doing, but it's called this or that. And I'll just, you know, throw a few this or that's at you and you tell me which one you prefer. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it. I'm going to start, yeah. I'm going to start with cruise ship or land. 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 Yeah, I've been on cruise ships. I know what that's like. Strawberry or vanilla? Strawberry. Dom DeLuise or Don Rickles? Oh, oh, that's such a good one. You know, I always, just because I've wanted Rickles to tear me up, and unfortunately, I'll never get that opportunity, I would just love to be in one of his audience and just have him destroy me like he does. I've got to say Rickles. That's funny. But Dom DeLuise with the, you know, the oh, cannonball no. run. And <laughs> funny guy. Good choice, though. Tuba or Piccolo? Tuba. Thank you for that. Nice. Front seat or back seat? I'm sorry, I, I missed that. Did you just say Corvette? No, I said front seat or back seat. Oh, I'm sure we've got kids listening. Front seat. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. They're, they're more adult than Whatever. we are, so it's fine. <laughs> cereal or oatmeal? Uh, cereal. Madonna or Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga. Right on. Um, chicken or beef? Beef. Uh, We're more, in Texas. All right. More or less. More. Letterman or Leno. No. Letterman. And one last one would be yes or no. No. Yes. Of course. Yes. So nice talking to you, Philip. So nice. More to come. Wow, that was really an incredible interview with Philip Chancellor from San Antonio. 
5150 Productions, and he is the purveyor of interactive games and uh, team building uh, concepts. And what we like so much about him is that he, he really is a nuanced player. He understands the detail is so important. And um, one of the things that I meant to bring up during the call, because I have clients who actually say this to me, we don't want cheesy. And that's what he was referring to when he was referring to those DJs right at the top. Right. You know, those yeah. Yeah. Kind of voices. And, um, you know, I do have clients who tell me that we don't want it to sound cheesy. And the minute they hear DJ, that's what they think. So uh, knowing that, well, of course, there are people out there who are not cheesy and are fabulous DJs. <laughs> Excuse me, but Philip did really bring the point to a head that it's about style and mm -hmm. it's about um, it's sophistication. You know, you can't really you can't avoid being cheesy if you don't know what cheesy is. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And he does, and he understands that when it's called for, he can bring it, but when it's not, he is the uh, epitome of respect that you'd want on your stage, especially during a, an award ceremony or something that's official or ceremonious, you know. So thank you for bringing Philip to the table. You're so welcome. Really yeah, awesome I'm really find. really pleased with him. I just am so excited to, to work with him. And we did find him through John, right? Through Jonathan Wheeler, who um, yes. also a good guy, somebody I've known for a long time. So thank you, Jonathan Wheeler. And thank you, Philip Chancellor. And thank you, Alex Apostolidis. Um, what's your last word today? What's my last word today? Yes. Um, Paloma Hermosa. Paloma Hermosa. It's, it's almost it. six o'clock. That's my last word today. There was two words, but that's okay. Oh, that's true. Uh, not the way I say it. Paloma hermosa. Paloma hermosa to you and to you yeah. and to you. <laughs> and goodbye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Bolotified. You can find us at bolotta.com or wherever you find your I, your podcasts. Or wherever you find your podcasts. You can find our podcast. That's Bolotified, B-O-L-L-O-T-T-A dash F-I-D-E, a lot of fun. See you next time. Bye. Boy, boy. to share something very personal with you right now. We're not recording? Okay, we are recording. I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to share it with the world. Sometimes we just do those mindless things without even realizing it, right? Exactly. Okay, so yesterday I had to go have a blood test and a urine test. And so I got the blood test. I still have the black and blue mark to show for it. And then the gentleman gave me the cup and asked me to go give my urine and I went into the bathroom and I opened the toilet and I started to you know do my urine test and then my mind started to wander and I peed right into the toilet <laughs> I didn't pee into the cup I was like 
whatever little pee I had, I wasted into the toilet and I had to take the cup home like a stupid little boy <laughs> to do it again. So there you go. There's your mindless, mindlessness, you know, to a T. I can just about sympathize with you if you were trying to impress the person that was trying to help you. So I'm almost there with you. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it was embarrassing because I had to walk out with a cup of maybe, oh, four or five drops of pee. Oh, no. And ask, is this enough? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I have to, I had to bring the cup home. They didn't say yes to that. <laughs> they didn't say yes. yes. Our word of the day is yes, Philip. That's our word of the day. And oh. damn it, they didn't say yes. <laughs> <laughs>